And so friends, here we are at the end of our five week journey through the Beatitudes together. Today, we come to the last ones. I wonder if any of them have particularly resonated with you. I wonder if any of them have seemed especially poignant to you as we've worked through them. But as we finish the Beatitudes, we're told now to count ourselves blessed every time people put us down or throw us out or speak lies about us in order to discredit Christ. We're being encouraged, informed, warned even, that the truth is now too close for comfort and people are uncomfortable. Whilst they don't like it though, it seems that Jesus does, that there is applause in heaven and that we're in good company because the prophets and all the witnesses that have gone before us have gotten into this kind of trouble as well. Now, verse 11 and 12 of Matthew 5 are not always included with the rest of the Beatitudes. Some see them as an extension of verse 10, which Eric's reflected on for us a few moments ago. It does stand out from the others, not least because it's structured differently. It could well be that it more easily sits as the introduction to the section that follows in Matthew 5, where Jesus talks about the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But in contrast with verse 10, it's suggested here that the cause of their troubles is not merely righteousness, but Jesus himself. It's not so much about moral conduct, but rather it's about the unique authority and radical demands of Jesus. You see, disciples of Jesus, including you and me, aren't called to be different just in order to be different. Jesus clearly thinks that people seeking to follow him and be his disciples will be different anyway. It's not possible uh, to be all in as disciples of Jesus and not be distinctive in the way that you live. It's the result of being pulled into the way of life made possible by him. And I guess of all the things we might reflect on together from this beatitude, one of the most obvious and most significant is that it is quite possible, perhaps it is even likely, that there will be people in this world who will put you down and throw you out and dislike you because of your faith. It's never pleasant, it isn't enjoyable, it's not how we would want life to look and to feel, but what it cannot ever be to us is a total surprise. We see in the life of Jesus himself that this is all true. Look at what they said about him. Look at what they did to him. And yet we read in Hebrews 12 that because of all this, we must be people who together fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And as we read the Gospels, we see as well that not all of the insults and the pain came at the hands of those beyond the community of faith. We see throughout Jesus' ministry that some of his fiercest critics were from those within his own religious community. And I don't know if this is how Jesus experienced it, but I know that this is how many of us have experienced it throughout our years 
doing our best to be a disciple of Jesus. But it hurts, doesn't it, in a different way when the issues and the opposition and the criticism come from those who share so many of your convictions about the way and the truth and the life. I wonder if the rejection and the scorn of his sisters and brothers in faith broke Jesus' heart in the way the Romans never could. Their response, the Romans, was expected. It was what they did. There was no rejection because there had never been any embrace. Far too quickly, it seems to me, not least in these days, do we do great harm to our sisters and brothers in faith who before God do what they feel the Spirit of Christ is leading them to do. How much of a better place would it be if Christians were better at disagreeing well, especially over significant things? But nevertheless, we press on, we persist, because wherever the issues come from, they are not a good enough reason to stop us from living in the way that Christ calls us to live. We don't go actively looking for trouble, but we're certainly not to hide from it. That way leads to more injustice and more misogyny and more racism and more homophobia. That way leads to the poor and the marginalised being abandoned because they don't offer us any direct benefits. That way leads to a life with less forgiveness and less mercy and less joy. And I, for one, want as much of those things as I can get. There is a great prophetic tradition of holy troublemaking. Sometimes, friends, the waters need to be stirred. There are things that need to be said. There are things that need to be done. And until every moment of our day reflects the glory and goodness of God, then that challenge is always to us as well as to those around us. It should not be possible. No, it is not possible to be a disciple of Jesus, committed to the ways of Christ, and to not graciously rattle some cages. If we keep forgiving, if we keep living generously, if we keep talking about the truths that Jesus teaches us, if we keep calling for the values of the kingdom of heaven to be found here on earth, if we care for the environment as if we believed it was something that God had created, if we keep courageously loving everyone that we can, then friends, this will not only rattle some cages, it will change lives. You know, it's been suggested that the office of the prophet is here in these words of Jesus being handed on to the church in the light of their Old Testament heritage to be persecuted for the sake of Christ would have been a badge of honour for many. Jesus says, the prophets who came before you, it implies that the disciples are now the prophets. And as their successors in the faith pass down through the church, we're called to be prophetic voices in our world as well. Friends, the Beatitudes are a summons to live in the present in a way that will make sense of God's promised future. Because that future has arrived in the present, in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. It may seem that Jesus 
has things upside down and back to front. It can seem upside down to value the morning and the meek for what they can bring. It can seem upside down to stick your neck out to work for peace rather than staying out of the way. It can seem upside down to bless those who other people ignore. But we, you and me, are called to believe with every fibre of courage that we can muster that this is in fact the right way up. May the courage to believe that and to live it out be yours today. And when it comes, may you richly enjoy your reward in heaven. Amen.